0: Before we start, this episode contains discussion about death and dying, so do take care when listening, and you can check the show notes for more details. Hello, and welcome to Discovering Dementia. I'm Penny Bell and as our mini series of seasonal interviews continues, we're going to meet someone who's not only had first-hand experience of dementia, but who also volunteers for Dementia UK, fundraising and raising awareness of Admiral Nurses who provide life-changing support to families. She's also very familiar with some of the challenges carers can face around Christmas time and spoke to me earlier to share her story.
1: I'm Maureen Winfield, and I live in West Yorkshire. I'm a volunteer ambassador for Dementia UK. I married my late husband, actually, Michael, uh, back in 1960. So we had been married for about 62 years. Long and happy life together. Well, Michael was diagnosed with initially with malcognitive impairment back in 2012, 13 time. You know, he got that original diagnosis, and then we were going back to the hospital annually. And eventually, back in 2014, he was diagnosed with dementia, a mix of Alzheimer's and vascular dementia. I don't know, you know, although we had been expecting this, it really became, you know, a massive shock to me anyway. And uh, You start thinking about what future has to hope for you. We'd always been a happy couple and, you know, we very much had our jobs. I was a stay-at-home mum for many years uh, and Michael was the breadwinner that's how our lives were run and it wasn't until my eldest daughter was 16 that I actually went back to work and uh, started a, a newer part of my life again. Uh, with the diagnosis, um yeah, extremely difficult.
0: I'm so sorry, yeah. And when it came to things like Christmas, what were your Christmases like before Michael's diagnosis?
1: Oh, it was very happy family, uh, you know, family Christmases. We we had two daughters, and um, Michelle eldest daughter passed away a couple of years ago. In fact, the same year as Michael, but she had three children, uh, so we now have the three grandchildren. But we've also now got six great grandchildren. So Christmas is a you know a time for fun. Our youngest great granddaughter is uh, eight, ranging up to fifteen. So it's it's very much you know about them really and now is Christmas time.
0: I'm so sorry to hear about your daughter as well. Yeah, yeah, that was. Um, during the latter part of of
1: Michael's dementia he was in a nursing home and uh, it was during that time that Michelle was diagnosed with bowel cancer which again was just you know a her- horrific time anyway but you know the two of them together it was a really difficult really difficult I'm time. so
0: sorry that's that's really really awful yeah and Michael passed away in the
1: January 2019 and Michelle died actually 28th of December so we're just coming up now to her Again, a difficult time. We try and celebrate Christmas the best we can. But obviously, we've always now got, you know, Michelle very much in our minds. And also Michael, because they were, well, the were major parts of, of our family life together. But, you know, in in memory of them both, really, we try and make that extra celebration, if you like. We all have such a very close bond anyway. And on the 28th, we will go to Knaresborough. Uh, uh, where Michelle loved, and we take flowers and we put them down the river, and it's just how we commemorate. And I'll get the family get together and just you know um, help each other through these times. But you know Michelle would want us, and Michael would to want us to enjoy Christmas, and Christmas is about the family, about children. So we shall make it special for them, and they'll have a, a wonderful time, I'm sure. During the time that Michael had dementia, you were talking about coping mechanisms of, of uh, how you cope on. Uh, Occasions like this. It's very, very much about knowing the person, I think. It's very, very difficult to make plans. In fact, I got to the stage where I didn't really make any plans because, however many plans you made, you could guarantee that they were going to fall apart. Sort of, uh, you know, the obvious things like too much noise would upset Michael. And again, it's just knowing that person. Some people love the noise and you know, all the extra sounds that are going on. But for Michael, he did find it distressing. Loud music and things like that. I mean, he loved music, but... And he loved to play loud music before dementia appeared. But yeah, that used to really get him cross if if the noises were too loud. So that's something that we had to bear in mind. But again, you know, as I say, it's... If you've met one person with dementia, you've met one person with dementia because they're all so different. And again, you know... You say, Oh, well, we'll play party games and this sort of thing. But this kind of frustrated him because he couldn't take part. He couldn't understand what was happening in that. So again, he, it's just, it was just working around what we felt was comfortable for him. And he would certainly let us know in any event in some form or other, whether, you know, whether he wasn't happy or not. He wasn't backwards at coming forwards in, in saying, you know, if anything was upsetting him. So you really had to work uh, in the moment, actually, and just, um, accept what was happening with Michael at that moment and just try and go along with it. You know, it, it might be that we took him into a, a separate room and probably got some photographs out and went through photographs with him and j- just to try and anything to distract what was, you know, bothering him at that moment. Sometimes these would go out, sometimes they wouldn't and he would get really anxious and upset and then we were just lost what do we try now, you know, but uh, usually a member of family would step in and, you know, take over, take them to another room. Or um, But as for planning and putting things in tablets of stone, for us, it, it wouldn't have worked. It was very much a creature of habit anyway. So we just had to keep things on a normal, whatever normal was, on a daily basis and just, you know, take take things as they happened, really.
0: How did it work with the family? Were they all aware of everything that was going on with him, even the sort of younger members? Oh, absolutely,
1: yeah. My great-granddaughter, she's 14 now, but she, so she would be about 10 at the time. And she just she just got him. You know, she just got it. And she she used to say, you know, uh, I know my granddad has got a poorly brain, but I just love him the way he is, you know, and just, they just had that bond together. And you could see when they were together and she would hold his face and, you know, and um, latterly, uh the last two years that that, that uh, Matt was around, he was in a nursing home. So again, that was completely different to how we would have been at home. And that was really beyond our control as to how, how it went. But I always went on Christmas Day and I had my lunch actually in the nursing home with Michael, which again, it was kind of difficult in a way because we'd always had the whole family round. I used to have the whole family, about 17 of us and do a Christmas, you know, Christmas lunch for us, for us all, but uh, uh, yeah, I decided I would go to the nursing home, have lunch with Michael, and the family would, well, I don't drive, so the family would have taken me anyway, uh, and for them to be able to have some time with him, and then I would stay for lunch, then they would come and pick me up later, but again, that was very much a, a difficult situation, you know, because, um, particularly because by this time, he didn't recognise me as his wife anyway, so he... He wondered who he was having lunch with, and you know, so. So yeah, everybody has to deal with it in their own way. I think in the moment, and I think don't try and plan too, you know, make too specific plans, because everybody's then screwed. You just end up disappointed and uh, let down, blaming themselves for what's going on. And uh, we're a family who who were very aware of dementia. You know, we've talked about it a lot. So they were all on board. you know there was no problem with family.
0: that must have helped a lot, particularly when you were going through the experience with the care home, because that's a, a very, very big change, yes. to how life runs anyway, let alone at Christmas time.
1: yeah, absolutely, yes, yeah, yes, it, it wasn't um one of the best time uh it was Christmas time, um but there again, it was it was just another day, and uh, dementia doesn't care what day it is, you know it's it's there and uh, you just deal with it on that basis you have some good days but bad days
0: you know i think what you said about you've got to just go with what you feel in the moment so it felt right to you to go to the home and have that time with him that might not necessarily be something that everybody wants to do perhaps some people would choose to go the day before or you know it's just very individual isn't it from what you're saying
1: it is yes yes it is but for me it was important you know um yeah, I hated him being in there anyway. I think probably as much as he hated it. So yeah, I couldn't have not gone on Christmas Day, you know, which, you know, as I've said, was a special day for us all anyway uh, to be together. But it was nice, you know, that all the family popped in at some uh, into the nursing home at some time during the day, try and spread it out a little bit so he wasn't overwhelmed by, you know, so many people being there.
0: Yeah. What's Christmas going to be like for you this year? uh well it would be completely different
1: actually because my my youngest daughter Jackie uh lived down in essex for 30 odd years and she just moved back to yorkshire this year so um spending christmas at their house so that would be lovely you know they have a Jackie hasn't had any family but they have a her cockapoo who was very much part you know her baby <laughs> so so yes i'll spending christmas with with them uh and it's my birthday actually on new year's eve so i think it'll extend you know, over the New Year period as well, so uh, it'll be nice. And then all the family are going to Jackie's as well on the Christmas Day, split between Christmas Day and Boxing Day. Um So yeah, so it'll be you know it'll be fun times for us all, and with sad you know sad moments, and uh, we
0: shall raise the You have to allow yourself those those sad times as well, don't you? Too? Absolutely, yes, yes. So, are there any things around Christmas that you think it's important? to share with other people who might be going through the experience of dementia, whether they have it themselves or it's somebody that they support?
1: Yeah, well, I think it's important, actually, you know, for for the carers, uh, for them to look after themselves as well. You know, all the emphasis is put on on the person with dementia. But I do think it's important that you do try and make some time for yourself as a carer. You know, if your loved one's at home, possibly get someone just to sit with them for a short while, just to give you a break as well. So, I feel that's very important. Just taking it, you know, I used to say we'd plan day by day, and then it got to minute by minute virtually, you know, as to how things progressed.
0: Yeah. Sounds like a very, very tough time. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you. I think you're right. It's very important to look after yourself and think about things you could do. I don't know. What kind of things did you enjoy doing during that time that sort of gave you a break?
1: Well, I'm, I'm. I love doing craft work. I do a lot of craft work and and fundraising and being a volunteer ambassador for dementia UK has just been an absolute lifeline for me. You know, I've had so much support from them. It's really amazing. So, crafting, fundraising, and doing a lot of fundraising. We just raised. We just sent a check for two thousand and seven hundred with my daughter and a friend uh, doing craft work over the Christmas period. Goodness. So it, again, it's just you know that keeps me occupied so i just keep
0: active that way what kind of craft work is it that you do
1: uh at the moment i'm just doing it have you heard of a cricket a cricket machine crack well it's crack or cricket as the americans call it it's a cutting machine basically but you can cut anything from wood to uh, cardstock anything like that i've just been making some christmas cards so there's a foot on the machine. Yeah.
0: I see. So yes. and then you so you take the shapes and then make them into cards.
1: Yes. Yes,
0: basically. So you've been selling those for Dementia UK, have you? Uh
1: not just the cards actually. I do um lots of resin, working with resin as well. I've been making trinket boxes. All sorts of things really, and they've been going down pretty well. So yeah, it keeps me busy. I <laughs> uh, enjoy it.
0: Tell me a bit about your volunteer ambassador role for Dementia UK.
1: Yeah, well, I started two thousand and fifteen. I started while Marty was sort of—he
0: was still at home at
1: that point—and it was my, my nurse Katie who who said, "Would I be a volunteer ambassador for Dementia UK?" So I just filled in a form and it was accepted. So it, it kind of went on from there. Another lady in the village where I live, her husband had dementia, and she was part of a church group, and she asked me to go along and meet this young man from uh, from our area who was wanting to raise awareness of dementia and to try and get facilities in the local villages and then he got back in touch with me and asked if I would do a talk at one of the local churches about dementia you know about my experiences and it really started from there and at that event there was a lot of uh, sort of not dignitaries but that type from my local authority and you know police, social workers, all that sort of thing and it just escalated from there and having spoke there people asked me to go and you know speak at various other functions and I've never gone out looking for opportunities for this to happen. It just just appears, you know. Like yourself, <laughs> I think the biggest one I did was down at Downing Street, at number eleven Downing Street, you
0: know. And was,
1: <laughs> yeah, so that was um, an experience.
0: <laughs> so, gosh, so yeah. that's amazing. So, you were giving a talk there, were you?
1: Again, just give my story, but obviously very compressed. I think we only had three minutes, I think, to you know, to speak. So it was just getting over the you know, the major points about dementia and care for someone and how dementia UK had helped in this process, you know. Um So, yeah, so that was quite a big one. So, That's amazing. Uh, you know, it's quite an experience for me. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm no I'm no young chicken. I should be, what, eight, 84 next week. So, uh, right, I used to enjoy going down to London and just meeting people. It's different to actually meet people and, and give your story. You know, it's, it's just nice to have that personal contact. I get quite a few ladies sort of ringing me, you know, who I've come in contact with over the years who are still living with dementia. And, you know, they'll ring me at 10 o'clock at night and they just just want someone to talk to who actually understands what, you know, what it's like to do that, uh, to, to be living with dementia. Because it's not just the person with dementia, it's it's the whole family who are living with this condition as well.
0: Thank you to Maureen Winfield for being so open and honest about her experiences. I'm sure that they will be helpful to many. You can find out more about Dementia UK by searching online at dementiauk.org. You'll find the number for the dementia helpline there too. And do check back to the first episode in this mini-series to hear more about the work of Dementia UK. Bye for now.